wanted to say that October 14th is something that we're doing in honor and memorial of Reverend William Dallas Helm and his love for people who are struggling and letting them know that the church loves them. So tonight with Fordo's production and our production of Milkshake Monday's episode 262, Iron Sharpens Iron. I just want to give you some perspective. I sent out a reel today on one of my uh, platforms for Facebook, and it was really interesting that this gentleman was talking about how sometimes people come into your life and they're very they kind of encourage you to be status quo and comfortable. And those people who encourage you to actually do and grow and become something you're not, they tend to irritate people. And I said, wow, he's, he's on to something that I plan to talk about tonight on Iron Sharpens Iron. And let me give you a backstory for how I got here. Of late, I've been having several firsts. And I've been excited about it because it almost makes me feel like I'm back in college where I'm experiencing new things, new opportunities. And I remember being at a dinner table and as I'm having a meal and trying new things and hearing interesting conversation, it was just a perspective of mine. And even my own daughter is going through some firsts of her own. And it, to me, it's exciting to go new places, to try new things, to ask questions, to be in the learning growing mode. And so I asked myself personally, Anita, in your faith, in your ministry, in whatever's going on in your life and different areas of my life, where do you feel that you are having a, a moment of iron sharpens iron? I knew when I was with uh, William Helm, my late husband, I always felt that he was a teacher and he was always showing me things. He was like the wise Paul in our household. He was always instructing us with things. But I said, now in this phase and season of your life, where do you really see that iron is sharpening iron? And it came to be that as I was listening to a teaching, they brought that same thing up. And I was like, okay, this is no accident or coincidence. I really want to have this discussion with myself and with you all. And for those of you who don't know, I'm a relationship coach. And when I talk to different people, young and old, I always talk to them about not settling, finding out in prayer giving, asking God to lead and direct you when it comes to your relationships. And even when it comes to people settling, they need to understand that when you are going into a relationship, male and female, that you need to make sure that you have an agreement with your faith. God says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So you shouldn't find yourself walking. And it even says, can two walk together unless they're in agreement? Have they made arrangements that they understand what they're trying to do, where they're trying to go? But when it comes to relationships, in even your development as a Christian, you are going to see in tonight's examples how God shows us great examples through our brother, Paul. Now, I love Peter. Peter is one of my favorites. He is so much like me in so many respects. But God kept whispering to me that Paul has the greatest examples of what he wants to show regarding iron sharpens iron. So where am I getting that scripture? Let's go to Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. I'm going to read out of the Amplified Bible tonight. Now, for those of you who don't know about sharpening, uh, many times I've talked about pruning, but this is different tonight because pruning is agricultural, farming, cutting plants, cutting different debris of, of limbs, but this is a different visual. Iron sharpening iron, and the visual I have in my thumbnail this week is actual, it's force, it's impact. It's something being taken from one feature or the way that it's formed to another formation, but it's for sharpening. And when you're sharper and not dull, I don't think you go to try to use a dull butter knife to cut something that's sharp. 
But God is trying to sharpen those of us who have become somewhat dull. Even he said to his disciples when they were asking questions, are you so dull? And I believe that some of us have gotten so comfortable, even those in leadership and those in the pew have gotten so comfortable with status quo, things as they are, traditions of men. This is how we always have done it kind of things. And God is is showing us now there is the deception that is going unparalleled now. And even the elect are being deceived. So tonight, Proverbs 27, verse 17 reads, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens and influences another through discussion. That key word discussion. Now, the New King James says the scripture just a little bit differently. Look at how it says, as iron sharpens iron, as a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And those of us who say that we are a part of the body of Christ, we're part of believers, we're in the family of God, as we have interactions with discussions, with sharing in discipleship, in evangelism, in whatever teaching capacity, preaching capacity, some people do, whatever your gift is, it's all for us to grow and develop. Now let's go to an example of a sharpening agent because in the example that I'm gonna talk about Paul, I want you to understand some things starting off in Acts chapter nine, verses 10 through 25, because Paul himself, as it relates to him having that encounter with Jesus Christ, was in a different position at the start. He was trying to chastise, murder, do all kinds of evil things to assault and disrupt the Christian way, which were the followers of Christ. And only after the encounter with Christ and him informing who he was, who he was to Paul, who he was going to become in the midst of those days of him being in prayer, Paul being in prayer, and he was in prayer to God as God was showing him things. Does he have this transformation, this change where he was blinded? He was even blinded with sight when he was working for the chief priest to come against the way. But after Christ sent Ananias and the scales, the things that were like a scale fell off his eyes, God was allowing him to have a vision, yes, with sight, but spiritual sight. So he was going to have sight and spiritual sight at this declaration after this time. So it says in verse 10 of Acts 9, now in Damascus, there was a, a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he answered, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight and ask at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul for he is praying there. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come in and place his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many people about this man, especially how much suffering and evil he has brought on your saints, God's people at Jerusalem. And here in Damascus, he has authority from the high priest to put in chains all who call on your name, confessing you as savior. But the Lord said to him, go for this man is a deliberately chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will make clear to him how much he must suffer and endure for my name's sake. So Ananias left and entered the house and he laid his hands on Saul and said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came to Damascus has sent me 
so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit in order to proclaim Christ to both Jews and Gentiles. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. He went down and he was immersed from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he took some food and was strengthened. Now, Paul is going to have an immediate rest, a reformation based on that encounter, not only with Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road, and also Ananias touching him, causing him to go from blindness to being able to see. And then he's given some food. He's baptized. He's received the Holy Spirit. But then he's going to start his ministry. And what I want you to understand starting out is that when we are sharpened by the Lord to do the work of proclaiming who Christ is, we will face opposition, even though we're going to get stronger and stronger and people are going to be watching. But guess what? Satan is going to be watching and his whole purpose, don't forget, is to steal, kill and destroy. And that those Jews that Paul was working with and some of your friends that you were going partying with, they're going to see a change. They're going to see that something is no longer in the comfortable. I don't care. I want to just do it like I want to. Something has changed and they're going to see things in Paul. So Paul says here, for several days afterward, Saul remained with the disciples who were at Damascus. And immediately he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogue saying, this man is the son of God, the promised Messiah. All those who heard him continued to be amazed and said, is this not the man who in Jerusalem attacked those who called on this name of Jesus? And he had come here to Damascus for the express purpose of bringing them bound with chains before the chief priest. But Saul increased in strength more and more and continued to perplex the Jews who lived in Damascus by examining the theological evidence and proving with scripture that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed. He was on the opposite team. And now he's got enough wisdom because Paul was a trained Pharisee. And in that time that Christ had been speaking to him in prayer and showing him things, he was showing him he is the Messiah, the anointed. But look what happens, the confrontation. It says here in verse 23, after considerable time had passed, about three years or so, the Jews plotted to kill him. We got to get rid of this because he's speaking the truth. People's lives are changed. He's being converted. Now, we're going to start to see how Paul, after he's had all of this time to learn to grow to be sharp in himself, how he himself is that chosen, deliberately chosen instrument that Christ says to Ananias, he is going to convert and share the message of Christ himself to the Gentiles, to the kings and the sons of Israel. So now he's going to some Jews who are kicked out of their place and they are in temporary lodging because they've been forced out. But they're going to have this encounter with Paul. And look what it says. We're going to be talking about Ananias and Sapphira. We're going to be in Acts chapter 18, but I want you to see something. They were displaced. They're going to find themselves at the same location as Paul. 
there's going to be this introduction and you're going to see they're going to have Paul go from just a typical house guest, a typical coworker making tents to the point that he's going place to place to proclaim Christ stronger and stronger, more fervent. And they're going to be listeners. They're going to be disciples learning. And you're going to see the progression of this house guest to becoming this minister of the gospel, to becoming their mentor. mentor. And then they're going to go with them. So let's see what happens. But I want to use this word open, because if you want to grow and stop being complacent and comfortable and status quo and being dull, you have to open up yourself to grow. You have to open up yourself to work. You have to open up yourself to sacrifice. And guess what? You have to be open that the very people that are teaching and sharpening you, they have other people to teach. Because guess what? You're not the only one. We are to be fishers of men, not stagnant. And I think we have to be careful in the houses of prayer, the houses of God, that we are so into traditions of men. We're so set on the fish tank of our location. And it's so concrete that we don't want to be iron sharpening iron. We want to be concrete and set in our ways, set in our traditions, set in everything that's about, oh, this is how we did it last year, in the last 10 years, last 20 years. We're not going to do anything differently. Well, why do you think these young people say, you don't have any place for me because I have ideas. I have things that God has gifted me in. And guess what? If we didn't have some of those young people during the pandemic to show us about electronic social medias, show us about electronic payments, show us about different things other than brick and mortar, some of us would have been sucking. So let's start at Acts chapter eight, verse one. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Achilla. He just met him at first a native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because the Roman emperor Claudius had issued an edict that all the Jews were to leave Rome. Paul went to see them. Initially, he's just going to see them, but he's going from seeing to staying. Paul went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, they're all going to be tent makers, he stayed with them and they worked together for they were tent makers. And he reasoned and debated in the synagogue every Sabbath, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Now, if somebody's in your house, somebody's eating at your table, someone is doing work, labor, tent making all day long, y'all always together, you are starting to learn because of the access. The iron is sharpening iron because of access, because he's about the Lord's business. They're there. They had a conversation to the point he came to their house. I don't think he just came because, oh, I found a tent maker. He found people that were open to hear the message of the proclamation that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the anointed, and they were listening and they were learning and they were growing. The iron was sharpening iron. Some people are trying to have wood in their lives and wonder why they're dull. Iron sharpens iron, not wood and iron. And some of you are running around with broomsticks instead of looking for another iron to sharpen iron. In verse, the next verse, it says, 
He was going to the synagogue every Sabbath, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. But when Silas and Timothy, now Silas and Timothy have come. It doesn't say they stayed at the same house, but it stands to reason that could be possible. But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonian near Greece, Paul began devoting himself completely to preaching the word. So he's not doing tent making part time. He's completely preaching the word and solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus is a Christ, the Messiah, the anointed. But since the Jews kept resisting, he's trying to share truth, but he's meeting resistance and resisting and opposing him and blaspheming, blaspheming God. He shook off his robe and said, I will go to the Gentiles. Then he moved on. Now look what happens. He's going to move from being in the house that he was with, Achilla and Priscilla, but he's going to move to another house. But we don't know how long this is going to go from house to house, going from Achilla to Priscilla to the next person, but he's going to be there for 18 months. That's a lot of sharpening, gang. Then he moved on from there and went to the house of a man named Titus Justice, who worshiped God. He was iron, not a piece of wood. He worshiped God and whose house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household, joyfully acknowledging him as Messiah and Savior. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul's message were believing and being baptized. One night, the Lord said to Paul in a vision, do not be afraid anymore. Well, anymore signifies that there was a time that he was afraid because people are wanting to kill him. You remember what I just told you in Acts 9? They, the Jews are perturbed because people are believing the message of the Messiah and that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. But now he's saying, do not be afraid anymore, but go on speaking and do not be silent for I am with you and no one will attack you in order to hurt you because I have many people in this city. So he settled there for a year and six months, teaching them the word of God concerning eternal salvation through faith in Christ. That's a lot of sharpening gang, right? Now, I'm going to stay with Priscilla and Aquila because I want you to see the progression of the sharpening. That it's just not iron sharpening iron just for your sake to see, hey, I know all the scriptures by memory. Hey, I can go find this. It's not about bragging rights. It's not about you. It's about Christ. And it's about for all of the people that God says it's not his will that any should perish. But in order for them to know about the word of God, it's those of us who say we love God, that we're part of the iron, that it's the people in our lives that sharpen us. But guess what? It's our place to go and sharpen others. So look what happens. You have to next be open to go. Here's Paul in verse 18. Excuse me, verse 18, jump down. Paul stayed for a while longer and then told the brothers and sisters goodbye and sailed for Syria. And he was accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Now they were one place and they had a house because everybody lived for a year and a half, but plans were being made and Paul went and they went with him. When God is sharpening you, you have to be available to move not stay stagnant. People think that only people that are missionaries have to move, but there are times that you have to move when the spirit of God 
tells you to. Don't be concrete. You're supposed to be iron. Paul stayed for a while longer and then told the brothers and sisters goodbye and sailed for Syria. And he was accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila at Sincrea, the southeastern port of the current of Corinth. He had his hair cut because he was keeping a Nazarite vow of abstention. Not supposed to have wine. You know the whole story of Samson, what a Nazarite vow means. Now they have to be open to be left because Paul is going to leave them as he goes into a synagogue, but he needs to have the access to the synagogue and he can't have people say, oh, we can't be left. What are we going to do with Paul leaving? It wasn't going to be like that. They had to have a level of maturity to know that they were going to be there. And it was now their time to start sharing an iron sharpening iron as they come into opportunity that the spirit of God leads them just like you and I. If we only say only Sister Helm, only Sister Pam, only Sister Faith, only Sister Winnie. No, you have to be really willing and able, study to sell, show yourself approved. You have to be ready for those opportunities. So here we are at verse 19. Then they arrived in Ephesus. And he left the others there, but he entered the synagogue and reasoned and debated with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer time, he refused. But after telling them goodbye and saying, I will return again if God is willing, he set sail from Ephesus. Now, what you don't understand, I'm reading today out of a lot of the Amplified, but in the New King James Version, he says in verse 22 that he's he had to come to the feast in Jerusalem. But for some reason, they left out that whole piece about coming to the feast of Jerusalem. And that's why he had to leave from Ephesus to go back to Jerusalem. And if you read verse, we're going to start in 24 in a second, but verse 23 would tell you the places that Paul had to go. He had to go to that feast in Jerusalem, but then he went to Caesarea. Then he went to Antioch. Then he went to Galatia. Then he went to Phrygia. And it's like iron was sharpening iron in all those different places. And it was important to Paul that he made sure that he continued proclaiming the word of God. Because in those three days that he was with Christ and all the time, the years that he was spending in Jerusalem, the years that he was spending in all these places in Corinth, he's steadily learning from the Lord. He's steady growing. He's being sharpened by his relationship with the Lord and the word of God. And he's sharpening others. He's not concrete. Now, Priscilla and Aquila have now got to be open to teach, open to lead, open to grow others, because as you're being sharpening, your whole purpose is growth. You are not in a place of stagnation to stay dull. Paul, as their brother, as their friend in Christ, has been teaching and teaching and proclaiming, and they're there and they're absorbing and absorbing. And even I think about my relationship with my late husband. He taught, he preached, he proclaimed, he studied. He talked to us about life. He talked to us about the word of God. He talked to us all the time, sharpening us, sharpening us, sharpening us. Iron sharpening iron from me to faith to Albany. He was sharpening all of us in Resurrection Baptist Church. He was sharpening all of the people in the Orlando crew, all the people in his family. He was sharpening Every person he met, he was there to sharpen. 
not knowing when his day of when he was going to be called up to the Lord and that time would be over. But guess what? Those of us who are left behind, we have to be open to teach now. I couldn't get all that teaching and say, oh, well, God has given me the gift of teaching. He's been sharpening through my own husband all those years. And oh, I'm supposed to stay silent, keep my mouth closed. That doesn't make sense. So now you find that you have Aquila and Priscilla encountering Apollos, who's, he's iron. He loves the Lord, but he needs to be educated further in the gospel like they have been. It says here, now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. Paul left. He went to go to Jerusalem and all those other places, but they were still there. Paul is not there, but they are still there. He was an eloquent and cultured man and well-versed in the Hebrew scriptures. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being spiritually impassioned, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things about Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly and fearlessly in the synagogue. He's already a level of sharpness, gang, right? Some of us are a level of sharpness, but God is going to bring the people in our lives to sharpen. Iron sharpens iron. You can't just stay the same. Apollos didn't even know that as sharp as he was, as educated as he was, as cultured as he was, as bold as he was, that God was going to allow the orchestration of Aquila and Priscilla being at the right place at the right time, doing the right things with the right people. And so they were there to hear him. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard, they heard him. How could they hear him? Because they were in Ephesus. How could they hear him? Because they were there to listen to the things of God. Even though their person, Paul, was other places, some people say, oh, well, my pastor's not preaching today. If my pastor ain't preaching today, I don't want to really hear because I don't really like the way that other preacher preaches. I, I'll just wait till my pastor comes back. No, they were where the word of God was being proclaimed to be used of God. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside. Iron sharpens iron. And explained more accurately. How could they have accurately? How could they know what was accurate? Because they'd been with Paul. They had heard him teach. They'd heard him debate. They'd heard him talk the scriptures. They'd heard about the Hebrew scriptures, but they knew far more than what the baptism of John at this point. And they said they took him aside and explained more accurately to him the way of God and the full story of the life of Christ. And when Apollos wanted to go across, he's, he's, he's open to go. He's open to grow. He's open to go. What's, what's with us? We've been in the church for 50, 40, 30 years. We don't want to grow. We don't know no more than we knew when we were teenagers, but we're 16, 70 years old. What's up with that? And when Apollos wanted to go across to Achaia, southern Greece, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples, urging them to welcome him gladly. When he arrived, he was, he was a great help. Do you know if you're sharpened, if you're not dull, if you're not complacent, if you're hungry for the word and the Holy Spirit is training and equipping you? It says he was a great help. He wasn't just a help. He was a great help to those who through grace 
had believed and had followed Jesus as Lord and Savior. Iron sharpens iron. He had to go across to another location, Achaia, where there were other believers, and he was ready to sharpen them. Do you see how it's a perpetual evolution of us as the body of Christ emboldening and encouraging and equipping and all of us working together, not competitively. Oh, I can't do that because your church may grow. Your church... Who cares if something grows? We need people to get saved. We don't need to have bigger buildings and smaller hearts for the things of God so we can be puffed up. Love is not puffed up and we love God. We can't envy and be jealous and unkind and all these evil things. That's things that are unloving. We have to be grateful for the growth of others. If some of the house is growing on fire for the Lord, Pray, get some of their fire, get people on the streets. Okay. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public discussions. Iron sharpening iron can go to public discussions, could be pulled aside and have discussions, could be one-on-one in discussions. Jesus showed us every example of how we can take the word of God, which is sharper than a two-edged sword, which is part of the armor of God of Ephesians 6. We can wield the sword of the spirit as the spirit leads us, but we have to give God time to allow us to learn and to grow and to understand him. Seek him. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added. And those are the things of the spirit, the things of God, the things of sharpening us as believers. Not this temporary stuff. I got to tell you, in this realm that we're living in, that is temporary. It's a temporary realm. We are comfortable with the distractions. We are comfortable with the assets, the treasures of this world that are going to be burned up. Moth and rust are going to corrupt them. If your time is spent on giving yourself more things and not sharing the message of God, be careful. You're dealing with wood and not iron. Now, we've seen now that Apollos has been met with Aquila and Priscilla for them to teach him and him to go ahead and sharpen others. Now we're seeing Aquila and Priscilla open to risk harm even their lives for others when it comes to the things of God, the people of God, and their brother, Paul. They're open also not to risk their lives, but they're also open to others. They're willing to open their home. They're willing to be open to hospitality. When iron sharpens iron and you realize that this place is temporary, that this shell is going back to the dust, that the things of this world are not made for us to stay here. We're going up to a prepared place that Christ is preparing. When you have that understanding and the iron is sharpening you daily to understand, we are not here to stay. We are here to be prepared people to go to be with the Lord for the time when he cracks that sky and we got to go. It says here, In Romans chapter 16, verses three through five, this is them being open to risk their selves for harm, even their lives and open to others in their home. It says, greet Prisca and Aquila, which is Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their own necks, endangering their way, their very lives for my life. 
To them, not only do I give thanks, but also the churches, the churches, the churches of the Gentiles. They were so sharp that they were not only risking their lives and endangering their lives for Paul's sake, but they were sharpening other believers in the churches in the Gentiles. The Gentile churches were being blessed by their ministry. It says, also greet the church that meets in their house. They aren't just taking this for themselves. They're not just taking it for the synagogue. They are allowing the people of God, the iron, to come into the house for them to sharpen it in their houses. They were like, oh, I don't want anybody to come to my house. I don't want anybody to see what I got. It was not their house. They done gone house to house, place to place. And they understand everything they have, just like everything I have, is from the Lord's hand and to be used of God's service. Now, I got to leave with one last example. I have done a full circle, basically, of Priscilla and Aquila, but I have to talk about church leadership and iron sharpening iron because there is this concern. And I only say it because the Lord put it on my heart. When he gives it to me in my notes, I put it in there that the leadership of our Christian communities and some of these, what we call as the matriarchs, the patriarchs, the pillars, the charter, whatever these words we want to call for the leadership and those who are high regard and all of these churches of worship that we say we love Christ. We have to be careful that because of traditions, because of this is how we've done it, this, this is who we are. We have to be so presentable. We have to do this. And then God is saying, I'm trying to sharpen you too. And I'm going to give you the example of Peter and the opposing discussion that Paul had with Peter, but I'm going to set this up for you. Peter, as we know, people call him saint. He would be the first person to say he's not a saint. Peter always was refuting Jesus Christ. When you saw him at the communion, the first communion, the, the washing of the feet. He didn't want to be washed. He didn't want his feet washed by Christ. Christ had to confront him then. Then Christ says, uh, when he hears, when Christ says, hey, everybody's going to flee. Not me. Not me, bro. Not going to be me. He was refuting what Christ was saying. And he denied Christ three times and he was restored. But here we have, he's in leadership. He's done wonderful. He's been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, he's speaking all through Acts. You see his boldness with the Jews. But now we have Paul on the scene and more and more Gentiles are coming to know and love Christ. He's had this experience with Cornelius. All things are happening where he's seeing that the Holy Spirit and the Lord God Almighty does not have partiality. But Peter's playing a little two-faced situation and Paul is going to do iron sharpening iron, which sometimes is confrontation, is saying wrong when it's wrong and speaking truth even to power and people in authority and people look high regard. So here we are in Galatians, excuse me, chapter two, verses four through 21 for perspective. If I had started at verse one, you would have seen that Paul said after 14 years, he's coming back to Jerusalem and he's coming back to Jerusalem with Barnabas. And he's coming with the revelation knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ to tell and to preach and proclaim the word of God. So here we are in verse four of Galatians two. My concern, because there's some shenanigans going in, you're going to see what is his concern. It says, my concern was because of the false brothers, those people masquerading as Christians. There in the church today are people masquerading 
as Christians. And that's why sometimes when they run their mouth to you, it's wood trying to sharpen iron when they're not even part of the kingdom. But they're just in the church as members. But they're not trying to be disciples. They're not trying to be part of the family. They're not trying to be the true worshipers that John 4 speaks of what Christ says. There's coming day which God the Father wants true worshipers. And Paul is, is confronting some of that, but he's going to confront Peter, Cephas, Peter, who have been secret, these masquerading people who have been secretly smuggled in to the community of believers. They had slipped in to spy on the freedom which we have in Christ Jesus in order to bring us back into bondage under the law of Moses. And I got to tell you something. When we have these young people coming into the house of God and they're on fire for the Lord and they have their Bibles and sometimes they have the Bible on the phone and they don't bring the hard Bible, the, the one that you can see, or they come and they start asking questions and they're shouting for the Lord and they happen to be wearing jeans and some, and some nice tennis shoes and a shirt. We can't bring our traditions of men and say, y'all not being like we want you to be. But they love the Lord. They're on fire for the Lord. They want to witness. They want to praise God. They want to share the message. They want to be sharpened. But they got to be sharpened by iron, not wood, because wood doesn't sharpen iron. And we got to be careful that we don't try to bring bondage into the church with these traditions. But here they say in verse five, but we did not yield to them even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel would continue to remain with you in its purity. But from those who were of high reputation, here we go, all the people that want to be high reputation, want to be high reputation, want to have the titles, want to have the different frocks and all the stuff, no problem with all of that, but don't edge God out with your ego. But those who were of high reputation, whatever they were, in terms of individual importance, makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. He is not impressed with the positions that people hold. Did y'all hear that? God is not impressed with the positions that people hold, nor does he recognize distinctions such as fame or power. Well, those who were of reputation contributed nothing to me, That is, they had nothing to add to my gospel message, nor did they impose any new requirement on me. They weren't even giving anything to sharpen Paul. They were just about their high reputation. They were about being puffed up for people to praise them. Similar to what we saw in the gospels of Christ. They are, he says, they're like sepulchers, white sepulchers, making all these long prayers in Matthew 6, just to be heard, to be seen. That happens today. Some people are following after a false God of today because they want to have that person praise them. They want to be known about people in power, but they don't want to be hearing and delivering the truth. Verse seven, but on the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised Gentiles, just as Peter had been entrusted to proclaim the gospel to the circumcised, the Jews. For he who worked effectively for Peter, that's the Holy Spirit, and empowered him in his ministry to the Jews, also worked effectively for me and empowered me in my ministry to the Gentiles. Now, I want to back you up to a scripture I didn't tell you, but I told you, go look at the first beginnings of Galatians 2. 
because he tells that he has a revelation. He's proclaiming the gospel to the masses, but he has a word and he's going to share with Peter that word. It says here, talking about that both he and Peter were working effectively, Peter to the Jews and Paul to the Gentiles. And recognizing the grace that God had bestowed on me, James and Cephas, Peter and John, who were reputed to be pillars. Everybody's treating them as the pillars of the Jerusalem church, the council of Jerusalem, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we could go to Gentiles with their blessings. And now I got to jump down because of time. I want you to jump to verse 11. Now, when Cephas Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him face to face about his conduct there because he stood condemned by his own actions. He was playing hypocrite. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat his meals with the Gentiles. But when the men from Jerusalem, the Jews arrived, he began to withdraw and separate himself from the Gentile believers because he was afraid. And that's what's happening. Iron sharpening iron has to tell you, stop being afraid of the men. Trust God. Be true to God. Be true to your calling. Not afraid of the people, afraid of speaking the truth. He was afraid of those from the circumcision. The rest of the Jews joined him in their hypocrisy. The ones that used to eat with the Gentiles, but when the others came, they all had to kind of do about face. But Peter was their leader and they were following what Peter was doing. The rest of the Jews joined him in this hypocrisy and knowing their knowledge of the Jewish and Gentile Christians were united under the new covenant into one faith with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. They were infecting people with the hypocrisy. It wasn't iron sharpening iron where we're starting to put some wood, some wood in the process. And no, that was not going to work. So Paul had to confront this. But when I saw that they were not being straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas Peter in front of everyone, he was sharpening Peter in front of everybody because Peter had led a poor example of hypocrisy and it was leading saints of God astray. I told Cephas Peter in front of everyone, if you being a Jew live as you have been living like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how is it that you are now virtually forcing the Gentiles to live like Jews if they want to eat with you? Now, go on and read the rest of that. I want to jump on the last couple of minutes to talk about 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, because in order for us to sharpen, iron sharpens iron, we have to understand and admit the truth that we have some babies. We have grown senior citizen, 30-year-old, 20-year-old, 40-year-old, whatever the age gravity is in these churches. We have carnal babies, and these babies are whining for pablum pacifiers, and the pastors are so distracted by the fact that they want to stay comfortable and not be pushed to grow, not be open to grow, not be open to lead, not be willing to even get some sharpening because they want to keep things comfortable. Status quo. They're fine being dull. But guess what, babies? Even Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 speaks about the babies. Let's see what he says. And I, brethren, could not speak 
I couldn't even sharpen you. I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able you still can't handle the anvil. You can't handle the sharpening because guess what? He's dealing and he's wanting to deal with iron sharpening iron. But guess what? Things are creeping into the church. Things are creeping into your talk. Things are creeping into your behavior. Things are creeping in because traditions are pushing out truth and you're pushing in traditions. You're pushing in ego. You're pushing in. I want to be high powered. I want to be recognized. I want to have my title. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able for you are still carnal for where there are envy, strife and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? We're getting ready to go to the eternal realm. We're getting ready to get glorified bodies. We're getting ready to wait for the father, which we know not the hour of the day, but it's going to be a surprise. But here's the baby acting, the baby talk. But when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? They're just people sharpening other saints. I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything. None of us is anything but filthy rags saved by the grace of God through the plan of God, through the purpose of God, through the blood of God. None of us can have this ego where we're edging God out. It's all God giving the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Last verse, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. We need to be built up in the things of God because the God's field says, he says the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. We have to get ourselves in a position to be sharpening. Iron sharpens iron. Either we're being sharpening all the time or we're sharpening others. But we got to be doing one or the other else you'll find yourself in revelations where he said i wish that you were cold or hot but you're neither you're lukewarm and i'll spew you i'll vomit you out of my mouth we've got to get serious iron sharpens iron i love you i know that next week is a holiday lord willing i will see you next week god bless you